ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Inspiration Point. We are on episode nine tonight. My name is Andrew. And I'm Adam. How's it going, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, I am enjoying some tea. Ooh. It's fresh green tea. Well, okay. I mean, it's from leaves. I don't know how fresh <laughs> they are anymore. Um, but I'm very much in the mood for that kind of thing because of Ghost of Tsushima. Ooh. Which I have greatly been enjoying. I've been hearing a lot of good stuff. Uh, yeah, I was telling you before, it's like a cross between Shadow of Mordor and Journey. Dude, that's... Which is crazy, because Journey, you're just, like, running around. There's, like, stuff flowing around. It's mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> Man. It's just, like, everything is always moving in this game, and, like, everything's just gorgeous. There's, like, leaves and petals just flying around. There's fireflies, you know, it's, like birds flying around there's a there's a fox that shows up you gotta go chase after it because it gets you stuff wow and then you get like cool samurai moves you know and that's uh pretty sick so i have a good time that sounds how about you (laughs) how are you doing i'm doing pretty well Uh, i just got word from our uh editor who who was doing the initial pass on the book that I've been chugging away on. And he basically said, like, if this thing had to go to print tomorrow, it'd be fine. So oh, that's nice. That was really nice. He's like, there are a few spots where maybe I'd make a couple adjustments and things like that. But there weren't any like massive glaring concerns. He liked what he had read and stuff. So that was that was really nice to hear. Yeah, I bet. So that's going well. And apart from that, yeah, I mean, it's pretty chill, honestly. Not a whole heck of a lot. Yosemite is on fire, so that's that's interesting. I mean, California is on fire, like, on the regular, so at this point, it's, like, not even surprising. I guess. I mean, it's... I grew up in Bakersfield, so I'm used to either bad air quality or fire. Yeah, that's true. Up here... It's just been like we had several days of like nice clear skies. Everything is good. And I think yesterday evening I started to notice it seeming smoky again. And it definitely seemed smoky this afternoon. I don't know, man. It's it's just a bummer. Like one thing after another, you hear about just thousands of acres just getting torched. Yeah, I read this news story yesterday about these yahoos in Arizona who set, I think it was 47,000 acres ablaze after doing an explosion-based gender reveal party where they (laughs) set up these explosives, shot it from a good distance back to set it off, and (sighs) these, like, this huge blue puff goes up so you know it's a boy and then all of a sudden all the brush around the explosion site is on fire and the guy behind the camera is like get your stuff we gotta go get your stuff we gotta go 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 and it's like you go do this and you don't even bring a fire extinguisher i mean they already lose me at gender reveal party (laughs) in the first place (laughs) you know it's just of all the very annoying things that people do but it was it's just, just 
It's just obnoxious. Don't do that. You know, yeah. But also don't set the forest on fire. Yeah, you know, you you can have a (laughs) box where like pink or blue balloons pop out and everybody gets excited and sure, you know, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, I've seen parties where like they cut a cake open and it's pink on the inside or blue on the inside. Like, that's fun. But don't set the entire countryside freaking just, oh, I... I I saw that and it just made my brain ache. I just yeah, you know, let's go out in the middle of a field comprised of nothing but kindling in its prime dried out condition and set off a bunch of fire. <laughs> I, I can't. I feel like we've we've done that in role playing games many times. We have. You know, just, uh, I threw a fireball. Are you sure? You bet I'm sure. Okay, well, now that you say it like that, yes. (laughs) You gotta commit. Commit to the fireball. Nobody would fireball just, you know. I think we were in a game together where I shot a fireball and it was in, like, a whole, like, farm field. It was... It was the uh, the Silver City campaign. Yeah. We were in a farm field. Then I blamed it on the bad guys. Well, yeah, because... No hero would do something that messed up. No. They do. They totally do. She did pretty do. messed up things. Oh, she was she was not she was nice. she, she was not quite a paragon. But you know, <laughs> we can't all just be shining examples to goodness. She's there for contrast. Well, I think uh I think we can be on this show. We are shining symbols of goodness. We are examples we are we are fighter warriors of love, okay? Because that is what we bring to this show on a weekly basis. We yeah. are fighters for friendship. You know, that's our that's a good other title for the show. If we had a coat of arms, it would just be a big heart with two hands shaking in the middle. It would it would be those. It would be from Predator, you know, with like uh, with Arnold and uh, I forget what his name is Apollo Creed. You know, like, yeah grasping the arms and flexing yeah 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 because yeah. yeah, they, be they don't one. do the handshake they reach halfway up the forearm carl weathers like, carl weathers right isn't that yeah oh, yeah that's that that's the stuff man and predator is a good movie too by the way i need to go back and watch i haven't Dude, seen I, that i highly like recommend college. the original predator classic monster in the room film if it breathes we can kill it yeah a lot of a lot of arnoldisms Come from Predator. Oh my gosh have Have you seen Predator the musical on on what, YouTube? Wait, what? Oh no. my gosh! <laughs> oh, I'm gonna no. I'm gonna blow your mind. You go on oh YouTube God. and you search Predator the musical, and they have turned the entirety. Of, well, not the entirety. The major. The show is canceled. Plot, I'm busy. <laughs> the major plot beats of Predator. Oh my god. Into a musical. In fact, oh my god. Incoming typing sounds. I need to see how long this is. There it is. Oh man. Okay. We're going to take a second here and you're going to watch this. That's a thing that exists. 
That's a thing that you've had me watch. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Your life is now made better. <laughs> if it bleeds, we can kill it. Something was definitely added to my life. That's true. Oh man. I that's like that's like old school YouTube, man. Oh my gosh. Oh. Well. Uh, well, anyway, you're welcome. I didn't say thank you. <laughs> you should. <laughs> oh man. Uh yeah. So, uh I used to like Predator. <laughs> <laughs> uh people go do yourselves a favor. Predator the musical. Watch it. All right. That's our the official endorsement of the Inspiration Point podcast. There you go. That'll put some joy in your life. Hamilton. Eh. Nah, man. This is what's up. Do not let your kids watch it, though. No one's head explodes in Hamilton. No. See? And it's, and it's worse for it. There, I said it. There, I said it. Everyone was thinking Oh, uh, boy. Anyway, so. enough shenanigans. Let's get on to All right. official shenanigans. All right. What are we talking about today? What is your inspiration point? My inspiration point tonight is actually talking about how hyped I am for Cyberpunk 2077 and all oh boy. the cool stuff that it looks like this game is going to do and maybe even how that could be applied to D&D. But even if not, this is still going to be That's super fun to talk about. And and I'm super stoked. Yeah. Well, you know, I got that art book and that was helpful. I've watched a lot of videos about cyberpunk. I'm excited for it as well. I'm trying <laughs> tell you told me that you wanted to talk about this tonight. I was like, OK, I'm going to try to not think about it. So well, I like <laughs> anticipate it too much. Sorry. I think but here we uh, are. I actually got new parts for my computer to run it. Well, Ooh, really? Some. What'd you get? Oh, I'm not. Don't ask me. Oh. You don't know. I got I got new RAM and I got a new what the hell is this? And I think yeah, I got a new processor. So Ooh. I got some pretty ex- I actually got a new motherboard. I basically am replacing most of the computer. Oh wow, nice. <laughs> I've been thinking about upgrading the graphics card too, but it's been sounding like like new cards are gonna be kind of debuting later in the year. And if that happens, yeah, probably it's probably going to drop the prices on the current stuff. So if that can save me a couple hundred bucks, that'd be that'd be. Yeah, swell. I got to tell you, like right now, Ghost of Tsushima is basically my like appetizer, you know? Yeah, like I'm because I, I, I'm really waiting for Cyberpunk and I'm really waiting for Baldur's Gate 3. Yep. Those are the two big ones. Yeah. That I think I think most of this audience would be would be looking for. Yeah, I th- anyone who's into RPGs and does any video game RPGs, these are like all that's on your radar. All right, so Andrew's excited for Cyberpunk. Anyway, my inspiration point. <laughs> um, now, what are you what are you excited about? What are some of the things that you're looking forward to most? Well, one thing I'm really really excited for is just the environment of night city itself Mm. because after going through this book and if anyone wants to check it out it's called the world of cyberpunk 2077 and it's uh published by dark horse the same people that do the comics yeah and the world that the game takes place in is so well fleshed out and has had so much thought put into it 
that it seems like it's just begging to be jumped into. And on top of that, it takes place in a really not so distant future in our own world. It's definitely like a more believable future. Like, yeah, that could probably be. It's it's still more dystopian than oh, very. I think the future is going to be, but that wouldn't be a very good video game. Anyway, the future happened. It was, it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Anyway, we're done. We're done. <laughs> Everything's good. No real. Here's your character. Uh, he goes to work. Um, he orders a coffee at the uh, duplicating machine. There you go. And uh, oh, there's Brenda. Hi, Brenda. Hey, Brenda. <laughs> hey, Brenda. All right, you want to save? <laughs> I do not. Because you can save any time in this game. It's the future. It's the future. Cool. So yeah, that like fun. they reference things that we know. Like Night City is located in California itself. But as I was uh, watching through, oh, it, I do think the future of California is definitely dystopian. Oh for sure it's just everybody else i think is going to be more or less okay (laughs) so they they reference places like atlanta and chicago and you know other other places within the united states as well as other uh other countries a lot of the corporations one of the big ones the arasaka corporation is japanese i think there's another one called the kong tao that's uh chinese there's other ones that are like i think the head of the militech corporation or the founder of it was italian so there there's there's a lot of influences from other cultures throughout the world that are part of this like there's a gang in the city called the voodoo boys who are like exclusively haitian and they're like this super secretive kind of net runner gang so they're all about like delving into the the current version of the net which is you know for anyone who's completely unfamiliar with this like the new version of the internet but it's way more controlled and stuff and they're trying to dig into things to find these uh like old ais and stuff that existed in the old net that got like segregated off and all these like all kinds of like really trippy crazy sci-fi things so the world itself that we're going to be playing in sounds very very dense and very intriguing and very believable yeah um i'm looking forward to that world experience as well but i'm also looking forward to a lot of character customization that's always really important to me what in particular are you stoked about that uh, that the game's looking like it's gonna do well um i'm really looking forward well i mean it seems like number one you can make pretty well crafted specific looking character so i guess a lot of the starting customization is interesting yeah but combining that with all of the like implants and stuff that's really cool oh yeah um because you know you can almost have too much customization in the beginning of a game where there's no aesthetic way to to take it yeah i can remember playing like city of heroes or something Mm -hmm. and in fact i want to say i I went through the character creator with you or someone i think so and i remember i made my character and i put like all this time into it and then it was like well that's pretty much what i had in mind right well i'm done like you go get gear why yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Like, it was almost too much. Like, I'm looking forward to making a character and then taking it somewhere beyond that scope. Yeah. And then inevitably making, like, five different characters, right? And, like... Oh, yeah. You know, just totally having different experiences. I want a character who's very clean and minimalist, probably to begin with. I eventually want to make one of these big guys that's, like, whole bodies, like, basically a robot, you know? Right. Like, I want to play with all of it. And uh, I love exploring those those uh, those aesthetic options. That's something that very much appeals to me. Yeah, I think that one thing that is going to play really interestingly into this is how the augments can actually be experienced by you, the player. Like the vast majority of the game is taking place in first person. So having your eyes augmented i'm guessing is going to potentially drastically alter literally how you see the game which is nice because i like it when game mechanics are baked into narrative yeah which is something i'm gonna talk a little bit about later but it is definitely a feature where i enjoy when a game is using story to explain mechanics right right and cyberpunk's probably the easiest avenue to do ui in Oh, totally. I mean, they could give you literally nothing until you get like your first implant. Yeah. And maybe that'll happen as part of like a tutorial or something. I don't know. Yeah. So that's that's going to be really, really cool. I know um, you basically have, as far as I understand that there are two kind of skill and ability tracks you can go down. One is the solo, which is mainly combat focused physical attributes, gun use, stuff like that. And then on the other side, you've got the Netrunner track, which is a lot of stealth, avoiding obstacles, hacking, things like that. And since it's not a like a class-based leveling system, it's all point-by, and you're purchasing these abilities... So if you don't want to go full one side or the other, you can kind of mix and match too. And I got to say, like, both sides look super fun. Like, the physical and gun gameplay look like a blast. But at the same time, existing in a world where everything is somehow connected to computers and things like that, hacking is like having the hands of god and you can just like i saw in yeah hacking's probably going to take the place of magic in this game oh totally i saw him like from a distance to create a distraction he hacked a soda machine and made a bunch of the soda cans fall out and the bad guys like turned around and he like totally got the drop on him from hacking a dang soda machine I was like, if you can hack something that mundane and get something that effective out of it, I mean, there was um, there was another point where you're walking through this section, and I think you're, I think the gang base you're in is the animals, and there's this one huge dude working out on like a bench press machine. But of course, even something that mundane has electronic components and stuff. So the player hacks the weight machine and the guy gets crushed by his own barbell something that i never i never would have thought like oh yeah hack is weight yeah yeah that's the the inherent weakness and in having everything connected to a net yeah 
that's one of the the conspiracy you know worries that people have is that now now the government controls everything right the corporations control everything oh yeah it's the same kind of fear that's pretty much what this game really is i mean you've got the mega corporations who essentially now run everything like it's like even the the uh, the actual government plays second fiddle to these huge huge businesses yeah they, they they basically are the government at this point yeah i mean they own the police they decide you know what places they're going to invest time and security and stuff into so that's where your bad parts of town come from and i will say that like the the evil corporation takeover is a trope I'm a little tired of just every RPG seems to do it that is in any era that's not medieval mm-hmm. so it is like I mean it's expected I get it and it's not gonna stop me I mean oh, sure. it's not a, a, a game stopper but you know it's, it's basically the theme of Fallout and Bioshock and what was that Obsidian game uh the Outer Worlds which I didn't care for I didn't try that you know? one yeah it's to me that game felt like solo world of warcraft you know Mm. so it was not my my cup of tea uh but anyway um i loved the witcher and you know of course this is cd project red so whatever the story is if the game plays on you know on top of things that's really what i care about right you know if if uh i can get my achiever and socializer you know fixes you know if i can act upon the world and and uh you know have uh romance options and stuff then i am i am down and i believe all that stuff is there so yeah i'm i'm very excited and i I look forward to it i'm gonna have to take the day off oh yeah (laughs) yeah i think i'm gonna call off work that day honestly uh i might do so for Baldur's gate 3 as well yeah um though i don't know about early access i might not do that oh man it I don't know with with Baldur's Gate early access like I I don't know part of me wonders if if like uh if he even could afford not to I guess like if you don't how do you avoid spoilers and stuff if they're handing out like basically the full game I mean grant not not handing out as in it's free but making it no, available you're only getting to like level four in it Oh, really? It's not actually the yeah. whole thing? No, it's just that there are already like 20 hours of gameplay. Whoa. Even with you only hitting like level four. Wow. Yeah. So it's... <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah. So I don't think that much of the game, at least in the beginning, is that available. But I, I, I could have misread that. I did watch the panel from Hell. But I'll be honest, I was uh on my phone for a bit of it. What I heard about that was... I, I saw a lot of people that were kind of underwhelmed by it. Yeah, it, it felt very, I don't know, disorganized, honestly. Really? You know, where everyone's learning how to, like, hold a uh, Zoom meeting. Yeah. And are not learning that there are certain rules that everyone needs to follow in order to make that as seamless as possible. Right. You know, we've been having like staff meetings and it's been the same experience where my boss will say something to the effect of, oh, well, who thinks, uh, what do you guys think about this? Go ahead and chime in. It's like, no, that's, we we really can't do it that way. Yeah. Because there's like 25 of us in this call. Like you need to say, hey, you, what do you think? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, or you need to say, please type what you think in chat. Right. And so this thing with uh, with the panel from hell, it was just people talking over each other and saying sorry and visibly being irritated. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so it was a little bit awkward. Well, I mean, they did call it the panel from hell. I mean, they did. And it it felt like that. And then, like, sometimes stuff didn't work. And um, people yeah. so learning how to digital you know they they can't yeah it's like they they can make this big gigantic game that is like fantastic but they can't make a zoom call work smoothly so it's a little ironic <laughs> it's a little ironic but anyway also one thing i really am looking forward to with cyberpunk is that there is a cool stat yeah so i think it's basically the stealth stat but i don't even care because it's called cool so i'm going to max it oh yeah I I think as far as I understand it, the cool stat is like like your composure, like being able to keep your cool kind of thing and how you kind of handle under under pressure and stuff like that. I believe that's what it is. But either way, yeah, yeah, I, yeah it's, what? it's called cool. So points. So boom. There you go. I'm in. I want to be cool. I, yeah. Also, I am for sure going corpo. Really? You, you've like super, super settled. I mean, listen, it's going to be my first character, but, and I'm, like I say, I'm going to make like 10. Yeah. So I'm going to end up playing all of them, but I think the first one's going to definitely be Corpo hmm. because you're not supposed to. So I like that. Oh, sure. And then on top of that, like I, again, I like clean things. Mm. I'd like, I like nice lines Yeah. and I like things to not be too dusty. Oh, <laughs> I thought Nomad would be like right up your philosophical aisle. Oh, yeah. No, philosophically, <laughs> Corpo actually works pretty well for me, too. Huh. Uh, but uh, that's OK. Um, I uh, either way, I'm going to enjoy it. There was one gang uh, that I saw in the book where there was a bunch of guys that basically want to bring back America, but they yeah, they the, get away from it. The uh, the Sixth Street gang yeah i was like that sounds cool then i kept reading and they're like now nah, they're basically just racist i was like gosh dang it <laughs> yeah oh well <laughs> yeah they're... dang it that why why can't we just love america is that all right i was so excited for fallout 76 and then they're like no but it sucks Ooh. and then then this game they're like you could be like america yeah i'm like sweet they're like it's bad oh yeah yeah, I, but I mean, it really all, do be like that. All the gangs are like bad. Right? These gangs are like, I mean, they're gangs. Right? Yeah, they're not to be screwed with. Like they tend to be a bit more antagonistic than anything. But I think the Sixth Street guys, at least, you know, they started from a good place. So that's something. And it'll be interesting to to see what kinds of characters from that group you run into which actually leads me to a question that i wrote down Ooh, i love questions how many decent people do you think you will run into over the course of this game that are actually consequential characters so not counting just randos on the street or you know your Joe Schmo shopkeeper. Like just victims. But like people that are that are 
part of a real quest line or anything or part of the main that's story. a really good question that's a really good question because i think that number is going to be very low right that's where my head this was game, going to i mean kind of like the witcher neither one is a particularly happy world or happy story right so i'm not expecting there to be a lot of cheerfulness i imagine there'll be like five <laughs> that is my yeah that is my guess they'll each have problems but like they'll be more or less good guys. And I'm imagining that most of them will end up being party companions. You can recruit. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was leaning in the direction of like just less than 10. Yeah. But I think that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. It's just this, this, uh, the world is in a rough place. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. This takes me to a, uh, a second question that is, tangentially related is do you think it would be possible if the world that the game takes place in was real if we existed in it do you think Mm -hmm. it would be possible to get ahead in this world without becoming some kind of monster either literally or figuratively i guess it depends on what you mean by get ahead right like do you but i assume you mean financially stable financially stable happy you know content safe yeah yeah a lot of this is not safe seeming yeah no i mean most video game worlds would probably not qualify as super happy places to live as beautiful as skyrim is you can't cross a street without being attacked by something oh yeah so i mean it is kind of what it is i'm trying to think of any game world i would like to live in if it were possible right i guess the sims yeah (laughs) there you go it's about the best i could i get a job by reading the newspaper and then as long as i show up and make friends i will be promoted wow that's pretty much that's that's the dream i was just gonna say (laughs) that's the dream holy cow as long as i don't buy a cheap microwave i probably will never die like it's pretty good yeah yeah the sims is the closest thing mankind will ever get to utopia wow yeah I hadn't considered that. That uh That's what I think. Wow. But yeah, no, I mean I like to I'm I'm a bit of an idealist, I guess. Sure. You know, part of me would like to believe that that good can can triumph whatever good means, right? But yeah. you know, generally someone who, you know, b- believes that his own good is tied to the good of others. Yeah. And believes in both community as well as individual rights. Yeah. You know, I would like to believe that that person can succeed, Yeah, that they can bring others up with them while also bettering themselves. Mm. You know, that to me is an ideal person. And I would like to believe that that person could thrive in any environment that wasn't like just impossible. Yeah. Um, And this is one thing that kind of takes me out of these like extremely harsh worlds. It's like, how does mankind just even exist at all? Right. How do children grow up? Like, how does anyone get through a year of life if there's just gunfights constantly? You know, like. Well, and the answer might just be maybe a lot don't. Maybe a lot don't. But like, you know, at some point it's like, okay, is your world so grim that it's just going to be overload that I'm going to get bored of it? Yeah. That it's going to be unrealistic. I won't feel the pain of the world or of the characters. Because I'll never feel, you know, emotionally connected to them. I hope that won't be the case. Yeah. 
in this game. I just, I hate it when a game just is always the same tone is always grim and I, we never get to be happy, mm-hmm. you know, and I've, I've complained about shadow of Mordor before as much as I love the gameplay, the characters are just awful. Well, the orcs are a blast. Yeah, the orcs are great. The best character in the whole game is Bruce. Oh, yeah. Who ends up being a bad guy, which breaks my heart because he's by far my favorite character. Yeah, he was so he was so fun. I hate that they made him lose his mind, though. I, I like he's like, I'd like to be the war chief. And I was like, or the overlord. And I'm like, yeah, you're hired. But then it won't let you pick him. Yeah. And I was like, great. That's not going to come back to bite me, I'm sure. Yeah. And then when he when he stabs you in the back, I'm like, well, I mean, obviously. Yeah. So that's the other thing is like when things are grim all the time, you just start. You're not even surprised anymore. Yeah. You know, it's just, oh, he betrayed you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because everything's going to betray me and stab me in the back and be dark and cynical. And we need a chance to return to the happy world and have rest. Yeah. And remember, like what we're fighting for. Right. Yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah. I think that's that's very true. Um, I think I've got some other questions here. Um, oh, you actually answered this one already. How many times do you imagine you'll replay this? And I oh, probably a lot. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was looking at the um, the potential what they're guessing the main storyline will be in terms of length, like hours, and the little bit that I was able to find was not a definitive statement, but they have basically said they're anticipating it will be less than The Witcher 3, whose storyline from start to finish was about 50 hours. So... Oh, I'm surprised. It's not as long. Yeah. Of course, they're they're probably filling your time with all the extra crap you can do. Oh, there's going to be... There's going to be tons. And... Because The Witcher is pretty long if you ran around and grabbed gear and stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was uh, it was 50 hours if you didn't go do all the side stuff. If you did go do the side stuff, The Witcher 3 was like over 100 hours. It was, you know, replay value is a huge, important thing to me in a in a role playing game. Yeah. And that is one thing The Witcher 3 didn't have. It's one of the few things it didn't have. Yeah. Didn't have character customization and it didn't have a lot of replay value. Right. So everything else was like. <clears throat> so good but well because you hoping... have Geralt who's a very who's a very clearly laid out character yeah it's about him right. and a lot of role-playing games are about a specific person and there's a trade-off there because it's harder to write a story around a character who can be anything yeah yeah or anybody yeah you know the best achievement of that is probably commander shepherd i would say mm. like the best balance but because you are shepherd but you're also how you define shepherd yeah so it was probably the best possible compromise but you can still see where some of the customization is lost but also some of the meaning of the story is lost yeah. right so i feel like this is gonna lean in a commander shepherd direction although i think it's not so much gonna be paragon or renegade it's gonna be renegade or super renegade <laughs> yeah it, it does kind of feel that way and i i'm not gonna lie i if if the game ends up being just everything's grim everyone's cool everyone's like Ugh, you know yeah then i'm just gonna play a like murdering psycho yeah i think that i'm just gonna go fine let's just get all the evil itch out of my body <laughs> 
and then I can play a hero in Baldur's Gate. 3, sure. Right? Sure. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I again, I I hope I can defy the world and and be and be good. That'd be nice. Yeah, it would be. I, you know, I'm gonna name my character Andrew. Ah, uh, I, and that's <laughs> gonna be your evil playthrough. Just watch. <laughs> um, I, you know, I. So here's my buddy Andrew burning down a church. <laughs> Jeez. There were no survivors. You're welcome. Oh my god. Uh yeah. He um I I can't segue off that. You're right. Yeah. You just lost your wisdom save. <laughs> when I go to play these kinds of games, even like Mass Effect and stuff, I always go in with this idea in the back of my head, at least on like a second playthrough or something where I'll go, I want to play like the bad guy version of this. And I, yeah. I want to go in and just like be like the roughest, nastiest dude you could possibly make. And I can never bring myself to do it. <laughs> I'm all I punk out. Every time. That's why I like you. Like, I I tried to do that with Geralt. He had, like, all these options where he could just be, like, either brutal or just a total jerk. And, And I, like, my mouse would hover over that option. But, but then in the back of my head, I'm thinking, but that'd be a total, like, mean thing to do. And then I'm like, that's the freaking point. But I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> that's, that's not what my mom taught that's not me. What my mom taught me like I'm not <laughs> that person. And I, it's so hard to divorce myself from this is who the reality. Yeah, this is yeah. who I am. This is what I think is good. Like I, I have such a hard time playing a character who I think this is a bad person. Like, I don't want to spend time with this person who (laughs) does all this awful stuff or is like this dark or is this cynical or, you know, I, I want someone that I can gel with where I like, where I look at Geralt and I go, I'd like to sit down and talk with this guy, you know, and hang out with him or like see him work. Or something like that. Like, I'd like to be around this person. Where if I go, like, hyper-renegade and I'm freaking throwing people out of, like, high-rise windows and stuff like that. And this guy, like, has zero regard for human life or is just, like, an unrepentant a-hole. You know, like, do you want to look at this person and be around this person for 50 to 100 hours? Yeah, no, I, I get you. Um, for me, it comes in degrees because I, I do have that same feeling sometimes mm. where I feel like a little bit in, of an anxiety attack right? over certain it's over terrible. certain things. Like I would know even in a fictional world, I could never harm a child. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, yeah. I could never do anything that was like torturous cruelty. But if um, for me, like uh, what, was, what was it? Knights of the Old Republic mm-hmm. was like that was such a good evil playthrough because I mean you're really just screwing over other annoying Jedi types oh, okay. and soldier types. Everyone can can very well defend themselves against you, gotcha. and you know what I mean. Like you're not you, throwing puppies off bridges. Yeah, although <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> my favorite part of an evil playthrough <laughs> in Knights of the Old Republic is where you force 
uh, Zalbar to kill Mission for you to prove his loyalty. That is a great moment because they're like best friends. Oh my gosh. Uh, and Mission will not play ball with you if you um, if you go Sith. But Zalbar owes you a life debt. And oh so you're like, gosh. all right, Zalbar, prove yourself. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's very satisfying. Oh, that like, man, it's fun to feel like the Dark Lord. Right. But it's not fun to feel like just a jerk yeah like you know what i mean by the way there's a really funny youtube video a couple of videos actually that you guys should watch it's called commander shepherd is a jerk (laughs) and it's just like cut together like renegade lines and options and it's just hilarious the way it's presented and there's a second video called commander shepherd is still a jerk oh my gosh and this is very old. I mean, this must be 2007 or something, but it was it was really funny. Oh, man, I want to I want to do that. That so, yeah, I mean, if I think if dark, if evil means you're just a jerk to other evil people like a Dexter type situation that we've talked about before. Yeah. Then fine. Like it was just that's why they called it renegade, right? Not evil. Good. Yeah. Because renegade was just are you you don't play by the rules, <laughs> right? right? That was that's really what that meant. Yeah, you're a you're a loose cannon, <laughs> you know, or you're ruthless or you did the most, you know, sort of calculated Machiavelli type move. Yeah, you know, but you never did anything that was outright, you know, irredeemable, mm. like or so dark that you just couldn't respect the character anymore. Yeah. Whereas in GTA five, in order to progress through the storyline, you are forced to torture someone yeah and i hate that yeah i hate it i i was so upset and plus i had to play that character i don't even remember his name was trevor the dude yeah trevor yeah. i hated trevor so oh, much he's the i didn't freaking worst i didn't like one moment where i was trevor yeah yeah i didn't either like he's just michael was hilarious franklin was 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 the true hero of the story yeah you know yeah like trevor can go to hell i hate that character i think that's where he has a summer home he was just awful and i don't know i think it also speaks to the gta side of things where it's like he epitomizes some things about gta where it is just this maniacal sadistic just bat crap crazy kind of this is a thing where you know i again i I know i keep bringing up ghost of tsushima Uh, but i love this game so much and and, you know just thematically like that question of whether or not you want to be heroic and how heroic can you be this is like the paladin experience but japanese nice and like, yes, you can assassinate people, but you don't want to because you know you're going to lose your uncle's respect uh. and you were raised not to be that guy. And so when you go into a compound of bad guys, you can choose whether or not you want to stealth around and kill people or you can literally walk up and hit the standoff button. And then your character is like, what are you cowards or face? Me, send me your best warrior, you know, something like That's that. That's freaking awesome. And and a guy comes out and you kill them in one strike if you time it right. And it's so satisfying. Wow. And then you fight all the bad guys like a man. And it is amazing. That's so cool. It is so cool. And then the like you save people and they're like grateful. Wow. 
Did I mention cherry blossoms? <laughs> like this game, this game. It's what I needed right now, man. It's a palate cleanser from all. And, and like, it has its share of of dark of a grim characters, but there are these sweet moments hidden throughout. I just wrote a haiku before I got on. Oh my god! Because that's a mechanic in the game. You you stare at beautiful environments and they inspire you to poetry. What? Wow! Telling you, man. What even this game is this? This game. I don't know what this itch is, but this game is scratching it for me. It's so good. It's it's positivity, which is... It's just, yeah, it's and again, bringing it back to GTA, it's just this thing where, are you catering to me as a consumer? Because, like, I feel like GTA is a, is a commentary on video game consumers. Like, it's made to exploit the gamer to give them money while also insulting them. You know, it's like kind of like a Michael Bay film. It's like, it's trying to milk you because it doesn't respect you. I don't know about that. I mean, that seems a little strong. I've just always found it very cynical. And listen, I'm a hardcore capitalist. You know, do whatever you feel like you can do as long as you don't infringe on the rights of someone else. But at the same time, like if you're an artist, you know, what do you want to say? Yeah. And, and uh, for me, I, I want to say something pretty, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to explore the dark side, but, um, you know, and maybe GTA is trying to, to say, Hey, you're, did you really enjoy that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, is it like Starship Troopers where it's actually asking deeper questions right. and challenging you, but then it has like microtransactions. So I just feel like it's made by contemptuous people that hate me, but then they go ahead and make red, dead. red dead too. And then like, oh, okay, well, maybe maybe they were trying to say something, but they also had a publisher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's GTA five because people love GTA four and three. Yeah, they do. But what's the main thing they would always say? Well, I got to run over a hooker, you know? Yeah, I'm like, cool. It's it's the it's the hooker killing experience that everyone craves. I just I, I feel like artists should try to make money. They need to support themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you deserve money if you make something that resonates with people. But I'd also like to see I, I like it when artists try to elevate you and try to, I don't know, bring something meaningful to the culture. Yeah. Bring it back to cyberpunk. I don't know exactly what to expect from this. I mean, it's a game that's taking place in a clearly dystopian future. The world is messed up there are messed up people in charge and the things that determine which way life in general goes are not the things that you would hope that they would be and the people that are the most ruthless the most cold-hearted you know the most business savvy all that the people who are the most willing to stomp on anyone else to get ahead are the people who get ahead in cyberpunk's world right i mean i even read a portion of the book where like one of the air quotes reporters or journalists in the book straight up said night city in terms of crime holds the title for like worst place to live in america like it's a rough freaking place well yeah i mean again it wouldn't be a good video game if yeah exactly (laughs) so going into it you'd be delusional to be thinking like oh i'm gonna get the 
you know, sci-fi equivalent of cherry blossoms. It'd be nice if it was an option. <laughs> sure. Like, even if it was hard, right? Like, even if it was challenging to do that. Yeah. Like, you're going to fight ten times as many guys. Fine. Well, at the same time, mm. like, from some of the demos that I saw, you know, there are ostensibly non-violent options for getting through at least a good number of the encounters that are out there. I don't think it's... Well, that's good. I don't know that it's possible to go through the whole game without... That reminds me, though, that I think reputation systems is something that's going to play a big role, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Gangs, organizations, companies. There's so many different groups that you'll be interacting with. I definitely enjoy uh, that as a reward. Yeah. Right. I like prestige. I like... Having, again, having that effect on the world yeah. is really nice. Also, can I just say I'm very excited that this is just not, like, a multiplayer game? Yes. Like, I get to have my world and I get to play with it. Although there will be a multiplayer. Of course. But, you know, I have yet to experience anything multiplayer that CD Projekt Red has had a hand in. So I don't know what that's going to look like, and I'm at least a little interested. Yeah, I mean, it's a shooter. It lends itself. Yeah. But, you know, the, the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer was kind of fun. I didn't. Dragon Age it. multiplayer was not great. Mm. It was kind of, you know, we played it that one time. It was, it was a little fun. Yeah. But then it, like... It got old pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> we, and we never went back to it. Yeah. But um, the Mass Effect 3 one was a little better. Mm. A little. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, it was clearly not made with it in mind. And I don't know. I just, I don't need to play with people that much. Maybe it's all the years spent playing uh, World of Warcraft and then League of Legends that just has turned me off to other gamers. Sure. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I like playing D&D &D with them. Yeah, you know, that actually is one thing that has kind of surprised me that you and I haven't haven't actually bothered to do a co-op playthrough of Divinity Original Sin 2 because you totally can. Yeah, that could be fun. And you're not attached at the hip like you can even walk like in opposite directions and like do individual things. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It always sounded so interesting. But like with D&D, scheduling is a real trick and actually sitting down yep. to do it. It'd be way easier if we were still in college and we'd just, you know, go home at the end of the night and turn the TV on and throw Divinity on again. Yeah, but those were, those were fun, except for the times I would rage at video games. And I'm, and I'm still sorry about that. <laughs> there were times where I was like, dude, this guy is, needs to step chill. away from the screen. Because oh, buying God. a new monitor. I still monitor. remember playing Saints Row and just getting, like, so upset. <laughs> Saints Row. I remember just that, like, too. like, ready to throw the controller, like, upset. It, uh, you definitely nerd-raged a couple times. <sighs> I'm sorry. It would get you. That was, it's funny to look back on. <laughs> to wrap this up, because I know we've been going a little while on this, um, there are just a few other things that, I just thought looked cool. The guns from watching the demos both look and sound like they're going to feel great. Like there was a, a bit where Jackie, one of the, the main kind of NPCs that it looks like you have kind of an ongoing relationship with, 
he's driving the car and you're getting chased. So you like kind of lean out the window and you're, it's almost like you're sitting on the window. Cause you're kind of up your head is like a bit up above the roof and you've got your big old handgun firing at the car that's trying to chase you down. And the way that it looks like the gun kicks and the size and kind of just spatial volume of the sound and just sort of the resonance of it just was perfect. You just feel this nice boom when the gun goes off and, you know, the way everything shakes and get a nice flash and the the kick and everything. Looks like the guns are going to be really fun to use, which which is really exciting. And then there was a bit where shows a character with these two big like mantis blades that come out of their arms. And uh, the character was able to actually like traverse the environment, like climb on walls using these things. So that combined with like wall running and double jump and stuff like that, the idea of just like hyper mobility in your potentially I guess the ability to like spider climb around a room and how you could position yourself tactically for different encounters look really freaking fun yeah I'm uh I hope that there is a lot of experimentation that pays off it seems like that's something that they're heavily focusing on but I'm I, I you know we, we we've talked about project ego oh uh... <laughs> Fable. And it's just, I just don't want to go through that again. Yeah, but Peter Molyneux <laughs> doesn't jerk. have anything yeah. to do with this project. I really hope. You know, the thing that really makes me nuts is that Fable wasn't even a bad game. It was it was still fun. It was. But if it, it just said, hey, this is like a cute little six to eight hour adventure. Have a good time. I've been like, fine. Yeah. Great. It was stacked up to be this monument to RPGs and oh. That you know, hurt. so I just I get a, I do get a little bit nervous when I see something this ambitious. Right. So I it looks beautiful. The early reviews are saying that it's the bees needs. Yeah. And so I'm going to believe in it and I am excited. Yeah. But I'm also, you know, slightly cautiously. Cautious. Optimistic. Let's just say that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm, I'm very optimistic. In, in yeah. fact, where I'm a little bit more worried is with Baldur's Me Gate 3. Me too. And as much as I am excited for it, a cinematic does not a game make. Yeah. So it was a right cool now, cinematic, though. It was, it's amazing. It's an amazing cinematic. Yeah. But one thing that does give me a lot of confidence about Cyberpunk is that everything I've seen has been gameplay. Yep. There's been a And ton that of tells it. me that you believe in your in your crap. Yeah. And you know, CD Project Red, to to their massive credit, yeah. they have yet to give any of us a reason to doubt them. A lot of a lot of things out there, especially when you start getting into like the bigger studios like EA and stuff like that, where it seems much more obvious that you have people involved who are determining the path that the game design takes because they're only focused on the bottom line that it can yeah. jack up a game. But CD Projekt Red... Like, they only work on one game at a time, and they're hyper-freaking-committed to just making a killer game. It's like old-school Blizzard. Like, 
we're going to do what we do because we know our craft and we're going to make something great. And to my knowledge, they... And then you're talking about really old school Blizzard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, when Blizzard was... Lost Vikings, baby. <laughs> <laughs> On the SNES. Yeah, like, I think right now we have no reason to doubt CD Projekt Red. But... Well... At the same time, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. So I, like, you know. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I'll just Me say too. That. And you know, I'll wrap it there. I mean, there was well one other thing that I just <laughs> well one that other. I ran across sure. that I thought was cool was the character of Johnny Silverhand, who's freaking Keanu Reeves. Apparently, that was intended to be just kind of a small thing, but Keanu Reeves apparently identified so much with the character and liked him so much that he pushed to have more lines and have a bigger role in the game. And now the like the ghost of Johnny Silverhand is like a companion NPC that is intrinsically tied into the plot of the game like you see him as you're going about you know whatever it is you're doing he'll pop up and like say things to you and he like i guess exists as like an artificial intelligence or something yeah he's cortana yeah, pretty much <laughs> and the main story has you playing as a mercenary who's ultimately going after a they say a one-of-a-kind implant that is the key to immortality, whatever that means. But he's, like, along for the ride for this whole thing. I'm like, oh, sweet. You get to, like, hang out with sci-fi Keanu Reeves for, like, a whole killer game. Like, it'll be interesting to have someone of, like, A-list caliber as, like, kind of an ever-present entity in a game. I don't know that I've ever, like, experienced something quite like that in a video game so far. Could be pretty neat. Yeah, having uh, big celebrity names could be could be fun. Yeah. As far as I understand, CD Projekt Red said that they did not go into this looking for having like a big name involved, but it just kind of worked out that way. Well, he's also like very hype right oh, now. Yeah. Ever everyone's kind of on the the Keanu bandwagon. Like so what do they call it the Keanu sans or something. <sighs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway, Cyberpunk looks freaking awesome and I'm stoked for it. And this even has me wanting to you know, at some point be in like a cyberpunk 2020, like tabletop game. Yeah. That could be really neat. I've been listening to a podcast. What do they call it? A, a real play or an actual play podcast called dark future dice. That's just like, it's the game master and two players. So it's, it's small, but they've been playing it and it's been kind of giving me some neat little ideas and cool. I can't wait to play your cyberpunk uh... campaign. I knew I shouldn't have said anything. I knew. <laughs> but if anyone's interested in uh, in Cyberpunk 2020, the publisher is R. Talsorian, and the designer is Mike Pondsmith, who I've spoken with at a couple conventions. He's a super cool guy. Always look for him wearing a Hawaiian shirt at conventions. That is his uniform. But look it up. Check it out. If you guys are looking for a cool sci-fi RPG to play, it's uh it's pretty darn cool. Anyway, 
That's my inspiration point. Adam, what is yours? Well, I thought since you wanted to talk about video games a little bit, I would talk about things that I've learned from video games that affect how I run and play in, well, mostly run, tabletop games. Oh, very cool. Let's hear it. Yeah, so things that I, I've made a list here, and I don't think this is comprehensive by any means, because what, what's interesting is a lot of video games are probably based on ideas garnered from role-playing games, and now, you know, we, we're gaining ideas oh, I'm for sure role-playing games cyclical. from video games, right? It's this, like, cycle of sharing. Um, but there are definitely some some really good principles to draw from and some things that should be avoided, because we are ultimately talking about two different mediums, right. right? They're both games, but they both have very different feels. And to and to give a very easy example of this, I, I uh, teach a game design class at my high school, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things I'll have them do is, is make a simple card game. Hmm. And inevitably, somebody will sit down with a game where you kill each other's monsters, mm. right? And they'll be like, here's my game concept. I'm like, cool. Uh, so my monster does three damage to your monster. I'm like, okay, so does he die? Well, your character has five health. Oh, okay, so I don't die? And he's like, yeah, but you t- still took three damage. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do, how do I track that? Well, just here's a piece of paper, write it on this. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So we, we already came to a problem. <laughs> I need uh, to bring a pen and paper to this card game. Right. I'm all you already just took me out of it. Yep. Right. So when you look at Magic the Gathering, you either kill the monster or you don't. Yep. Right. And they regenerate um uh, on your next turn, I think it is. And but in Hearthstone, your characters retain damage, yep. right? Because a computer can take care of that yep. for you. Right. So tracking right away is something that doesn't really work because a video game can track a million things and you as a DM are going to get tired really yep. soon when you're tracking way too much information. Um, so that's one thing to watch out for. But here's one thing that I think is very important that I think DMs could do a lot better at, which is tells, hmm. right? You know, projecting that shot. Um, when you think of like your, your typical video game boss, they aren't hurt in the same way that a lot of other characters are. They usually have some kind of gimmick mm. and they usually hit really, really hard because they are telling you when it's about to happen. Yeah, you see some kind and of And if you pay up. attention, yeah. So, I mean, we've all seen this this boss fight a million times. Character is in, un, invulnerable. You cannot hurt them at all. And they deal a ton of damage. And then he does a charge move. So you dodge. And then he hits the wall. And he's stunned. And now he's stunned. Yeah. Now you can go wail on yeah. him, right? We And I, uh, so many video games do this, right? So I'm not saying do the exact same thing in, in a role-playing game, but I am saying that you could have a character do a big wind-up. So part of the reason why I'm thinking of this is because I threw a beholder at you mm-hmm. guys. And then we fought another beholder that the other DM mm-hmm. ran. And beholders are kind of exciting because they're so dangerous. Yeah. But they're they're also terrible because you can't do anything. Like if if he shoots a eye ray at you, you roll the save and that's it. Yeah. And if you fail it, it could be the end of your character. Yeah. Which on the one hand makes some drama, but it doesn't make for very interesting counterplay. Yeah. And that is something I that video games typically do very well that I would like to see more in tabletop games. Like, what is my answer? What can I spend to get out of yeah. this? 
Right. Well, and I think I think that also uh, depends on some other in-game factors. Like if you are if you're using a beholder in a purely combat scenario, totally. But you know, it, it could also be that that fighting the thing at all is just is the thing that you're not supposed to do and you're instead supposed to try to negotiate with the thing or buy it off or you know cater to its overblown uh ego or something like that like oh my god if we fight this thing we're freaking toast so what else can we do and what maybe it's an do? incentive yeah. so, for outside the box thing but then you also have to have prior knowledge sure. which is another thing that a DM can make available, right? Oh yeah. Like it would be kind of a jerk move to say you walk into a room, there's a beholder, yep. right? It would be much more interesting to say there's a strange creature in the next room. And, and then you, as you're approaching the room, there's like already statues of previous adventurers, right? There are these clues that you see that say, Hey, here's, what might happen? Right. The same thing with traps, right? So yep. I never use invisible traps anymore. I got rid of that. And I'm very happy I did. Mm -hmm. I do not believe in invisible traps. And I know a lot of old school, hardcore players are going to roll their eyes at me, but I don't think that they're fun or fair. Mm. If there isn't some kind of clue, if there isn't some sort of visual marker, you know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't pay attention, but I also don't want to play D&D &D where I have to roll perception every 10 seconds. Yeah. That's very boring. And it also makes perception way too powerful. Yeah. It's already, like, the best skill in the game, basically. Well, and technically, you know, at least in 5e, you do have passive perception, which, whether or not a DM wants to track it, it is something that the DM should be aware of. That exists specifically for the idea of you look at this number and it straight up tells you if someone in the party would just instinctively notice something. Notice it. Sure. But it's also another thing for the DM to track. He has to stop and look at all your sheets or you have to have it written down somewhere instead of asking for that check. What I would rather do is just say, hey, they should look here. And I could I might give a clue that something might be worth looking right. at. It's a little bit hard to see in here or there's a fog that's, you know, slightly obscuring the area. Yeah. Or you feel like you see it. You saw a shadow move possibly that way i'm not saying make a perception check but i'm saying make a perception sure. check right so again that's a way i can do that showing and that illustrating of the world without just breaking immersion and going into mechanics yeah. so and on roll 20 this is something that you're famous for andrew yeah uh, yeah and you already know what i'm gonna say I aren't do. you it's the freaking leaves yeah. it's the leaves yep i know i should i should leave you alone uh, right but i would always put these uh, Leaf traps in my roll 20 maps and inevitably Andrew would step in them. It was always me and always <laughs> never anyone else. I don't remember anyone else ever falling into these God dang things. Yeah, it was always you. And what was funny about it is I would always just, you know, they're visible on the map. You just have to look carefully. Yeah, it was an and actual pile of leaves. That was, in fact, a borderless token with transparency of leaves that you the dm were able to click and move physically and underneath it was a dang hole like <laughs> yep. I, you could look at it and go that's yeah. a pile of leaves 
but it slightly blends oh. in with the ground. So it's not super obvious. Right. And that's like a really nice thing. I, I bought a map pack that had all that built in. So I was able to just move holes wherever I wanted and then put leaves oh, on them. God. So that's one example. Another thing might be you walk into a temple and there are statues of like wolf statues, right? And their mouths are open. And in between each pair of statues is a skeleton, right? right? Like a dead adventurer. It's like, okay, when I pass through the wolves, maybe something happens. But if I'm not paying attention and I, then I walk through the wolves, then the DM gets to have fun and shoot me with right. things, right? Because I should have... You know, there was a fair enough tell that, hey, something might happen. Right. Here. Yeah. You don't don't right. just go, OK, there's a hallway in front of you and just like leave it at that. I mean, sure, if you're just entering, you know, this long lost temple and no one's been here for ages, and you know, there's a little bit of metagaming that probably ought to happen in your head that just tells you, OK, this is probably a dangerous place. It probably behooves me to look around, but, you know, the DM maybe some responsibility falls on the DM in terms of setting the stage and making sure that you understand you are going into a dangerous place that may be dangerous due to things more than just monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, and if we can see the, the results of that danger beforehand, yeah. or maybe the, the hermit that we met on the hill before we entered the ancient temple says, beware, traveler, for within are, you know, very beautiful statues, but they are quite dangerous, right. you know? And if you're like, yeah, 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 old man, and you go in. Right. Well, and you don't even necessarily <laughs> like, I did tell have you. to be that on the nose. You right. could even have it be where the players encounter a hint or something regarding a trap or bad situation coming up that isn't immediately visible as, all right, I shouldn't say visible, but you know, when you, when you see the thing, you don't necessarily realize the hint is there. Maybe you have to examine it more closely. Like maybe you find the journal of a minion who lives in this place and the DM just says, you find this guy's journal. And you're like, oh, cool. You know, I stick it in my bag. But you don't actually take a minute to open the thing and look mm, at it. Right. But if you did, he's like, oh, and if you go down hallway H, make sure you stick to the left. Because if you don't, you get cut pretty bad, you know. You're right. And so if there is a clue like that, you could even make it less visible. Right. and. Because, you, again, you, you provided some sort of hint. Right. This would happen in um, the original Baldur's Gate. There were literally invisible traps on the ground, and there was no way to tell. So you would you would walk around, and if you didn't have a character that had, like, trap like sense. Rogue. Yeah, like, if Imowen wasn't walking around in, like, the front of your party, or you weren't playing a rogue, you were just going to take, like, half your health and damage for no real problem on well, your part. Well, wasn't that trying so, to reflect, like... The classic AD&D experience. Oh, well, for sure, right? But this, again, the, the theme here is what are things we can learn from video yeah. games? Yeah. And one of the things that we can learn is players get pretty frustrated when you punish them for not making mistakes. You're right. Like, oh, you you did not guess what was in my pocket. You lose. Yeah. Right. That might make you feel very powerful in the moment. But I mean, you didn't outsmart anyone. Right. right? You created this world. <laughs> 
of course you should be yeah. winning so that's annoying so it tells that's one thing i i want to experiment with more bosses and stuff where they have a big hit with a wind up mm. that you can visibly avoid mm. i think that that kind of thing is fun um also establishing stakes yeah using npc actions like you know maybe he like executes somebody and then holds a knife to someone else's throat so now you understand that you can't just fight this guy you also have to be careful to because he's willing to do this right. or you have to hurry up because he is killing yeah. people right there's a lot of ways to show without telling yeah. right i mean the same kind of thing could even be said for player deaths i mean it's really easy for pcs especially if you have a gm who is not the stereotypical killer gm where you feel like, oh, you know, my DM's not going to freaking kill me. Yeah. But if the situation called for it and it was actually reasonable and made sense within the context of the story and there's nothing like like weird or vindictive or something, you know, going on maybe outside of game, having a player character die in a significant way can really present some major stakes there needs to be a consequence, yes. right? And death can definitely be that consequence. Like, to me, it's hard enough to kill a player in Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition yeah. that they need to seriously screw up. And, like, we had a player in the past who, you know, the DM would basically say, there's a whole bunch of dudes over there, and then he would go in by mm. himself. he just Leroy. And then just, you know, well, he was trying to sneak in, right? And it wouldn't mm. work out. And he... You know, lo and behold, that guy lost a lot of characters and they would get sure. pretty frustrated. So it was a thing where, yeah, you can you shouldn't just kill players willy nilly. But at the same time, like you can definitely punish someone who isn't paying attention, who's not respecting the game, mm -hmm. whose character isn't learning anything, you know, so their if their character flaw leads them to danger, right. you know, there's a lot of interesting ways that we can bring on dramatic death. That's not really the theme right. here. But okay, so another idea is this idea of power without gameplay. This is a principle of, of game design that I believe in. Mm. And it's essentially like if I upgrade my character, does it make me interact with the game in a way that's a little bit more interesting or is it just raw mm. power? So the, the reviews are in for the new Avengers game mm -hmm. and they are not positive. <laughs> okay. And part of the reason they're not positive is because they're like the gear rewards aren't even visible. They're just numbers. Mm. Right. And so this is something where we want to reward players for interacting with the game in interesting ways. Hmm. Now, having said that in a role playing game, there's there is a difference because you don't need to have an encyclopedia of things that your character can do. Right. Because that can be overwhelming. And I'm not saying that passive abilities are never good. But that would have been my main counter objection to this. Yeah, I could already I already know yeah. what you're gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Like like you need to say it for the audience for their sake, right. but I already know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like in fourth edition, they did this weird thing where when when she started hitting higher levels, you would begin replacing your yeah. powers, not just adding new ones. Because they were like, okay, this guy's got like 10 ability cards now. Like, he's not going to know what yeah. to do. It could get to be a little daunting. And sometimes it's nice to just go, you know, you're you're now dealing 1d8 damage instead of 1d6. Right. And that's fine, but that's not very exciting. Well, sure. And the, it shouldn't be everything. Yeah, it shouldn't be everything. So what I'm saying is really good rewards 
usually enhance your gameplay in some way. So whenever I write a magic item, like make one up, it's typically interactive in some way. Mm -hmm. When you do this, the thing happens is generally my go-to formula, you know, or now you, you have the added capability of doing this thing. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff I like. And that is a trend I've been seeing in a lot of role-playing games. When you level up, they don't just say like plus 20% damage. They're now saying hit triangle when this happens and you, get this yeah cool you get more moves or you get you know and part of what really works well in a video game sense is that they don't give you everything your character can do in the beginning because that would be overwhelming yeah. so you have to opt into the upgrade mm-hmm. which is like a brilliant idea right yeah because now you you literally picked it and chose actively to learn and master yeah. it and that's awesome some sometimes they even let you practice an ability when you that's upgrade. always really fun which is super cool. I wish they did that in Ghost. That they did, they mm. don't. But I know there are some games where they're like, go ahead and try it right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, cool, thank you. Now I know. This is one reason why in role-playing games, I really like it when you level up and get to pick between things because mm. that gives you that sense of customization and ownership. Yeah. You sign into your own gameplay in a way that's more interesting. Right. I, I, I was actually getting a sense that cyberpunk is going to be big that way yeah i think for sure and that's a very clear trend in video games like with skyrim almost everything that you put points into was like a percentage increase in damage and you felt like you had to take it to keep up with the ramping up the enemies were getting but that's not fun it's not it's not like oh cool i can do something else it's like I'm just doing the same stuff I did before, but it's just marginally more effective. Yeah, now it's more effective. And that's less fun. Right. Right. So in Fallout, they had this interesting mix of the two things where you could do plus 20% damage with your guns. But then it was like, and you can do this mm. thing. And then some of the upgrades were like, I love Blitz, <laughs> where you literally like teleport at a guy with a melee attack. Like that was really cool. Oh, nice. So there there started to be more things. A lot of games allow you to slow time when you're using ranged oh, attacks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even Skyrim let you do that to a degree. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of fun. Horizon Zero Dawn lets you Because then you, you get that. to feel, yeah, and, and Shadow of Mordor and even Ghost of Tsushima allows you to do it to a limited extent. There was, I noticed something in Horizon that I had never seen another game do with an ability where if you're aiming with your left trigger if you tap your right bumper she knocks an additional arrow and you can unlock that ability for two arrows and then again to be able to do three arrows so you're literally just you're still aiming but with one tap she sticks another arrow on the bow and then again and all of a sudden like it's such a simple thing it's one little tap and it does. It's not like, oh, your arrows now count as two arrows. You're actively choosing. I'm going to put another arrow on here. But it, yeah. it feels so cool because you're consciously thinking, all right, I'm going to freaking stack some ammo on here to really let this thing yeah. go. It was very active and it, it feels super good. Yeah, that active and feeling like you're more inert, immersed. Mm-hmm is really nice and also that you're mastering yeah. the game another game that does awesome at that this concept is uh spider-man 2018 Ooh. which i highly recommend oh, the, I can't uh, recommend the, that game the playstation one yeah the ps4 i played that uh, at my brother's house and 
God almighty, like, if ever a game made you feel like you were freaking Spider-Man, holy moly, (laughs) the web slinging is incredible. Like, don't even without any of the fighting and questing, which is still fun, but like just swinging around the city is a really good time. And not every building is like identical. There's like real places to go. But anyway, so power without gameplay. Uh, Having said that, if uh, our DM is listening to this, I will still gladly accept a Holy Avenger. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, So totally full of crap. We talked about this uh, earlier already, but explaining game mechanics through narrative Mm is really important. This is something that you wanted me to do back in the day where you were playing your Dragonborn Paladin. Who fell in the leaves You're constantly. Like, that was him. Yeah, who fell in the leaves. Yeah, the Knight yeah. of the Leaves. Um, Incidentally, he's now in charge of the town, and we have a running gag that basically he has outlawed leaves to whatever extent he can, <laughs> and it is, like, illegal to have a bunch of just standing leaves in your front yard. Like, you better... Yeah, because it basically gives them. Yeah, PTSD you better have a point. rake. Yeah, otherwise there's a hefty, hefty fine. Hefty fine. <laughs> the streets look nice fine. in the fall, though. That's right. Well, that I mean, that's who pays for the street sweepers, right? Is, are the fines of the people that don't that's right. along. economy anyway? <laughs> but you were like, "Hey, I'm about to hit level three. I'm like, "Yeah, that's cool." You're like, "Well, at level three, I get my paladin mm-hmm. oath." I'm like, "Uh huh." And I'm like, and "You're like, well, it's kind of a big deal." Like, well, everybody gets their subclass and you're you're like, yeah, but like, I want to like play that. Yeah. right? I want to like take my oath. And I was like, <sighs> fine. <laughs> right. And so then we did it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was actually pretty cool. Right. That was nice for you. Yeah, it, I, I love that. To be able to take that oath in front of your friends. Right. And to have them experience that thing. So I try to think about that now, especially in those early levels or when players gain certain powers. Like if you can go beyond just like, hey, you level up, you Mm -hmm. get that. But maybe anticipate when a player is about to get a certain ability and then bake it into the story. Yeah, I mean, I I uh, you're running Storm King's Thunder right now. And we started at level one. We just had our first session. I think we jump to level two by the end of it. You know, it's a it's a quick freaking level. But the next level after that is three. And as a rogue, you wind up taking your your kind of rogue path and deciding like, you know, do I want to be an assassin? Do I want to be a scout? Do I want to be a thief? Like these very kind of archetypal ideas that has me thinking like, okay, on the one hand, like you just kind of, you know, you want to pick something that's optimal to the sort of gameplay you want and stuff. But right. it's also a pretty, you know, it feels like an important choice, like deciding I'm going to be a scout versus I'm going to be an assassin is like, that's a pretty big like life path decision. And, you know, it had me thinking like, okay, you know, what might drive that decision And, you know, it it seems like something that ought to be, you know, something that happens on screen. And yeah, I think I think the Paladin Oath is a good example of that kind of thing where it's like it deserves to be seen and for people to understand, recognize. Yeah, I can understand why he's an assassin. Yeah. Because of this. It can also make your life, your, your world come yeah, to life. really. Right? Because then the 
order of paladins suddenly shows up at the gate and they call forth the paladin. They say, you know, take a knee. So now we've established that, hey, there's like religion and there's order and there's hierarchy. And this is all interesting. And who's the knight commander? Is that someone whose name I need to remember? You know, or if you become an assassin, like does the Assassin's Guild find you? Because, hey, we've been keeping tabs on what you've been doing. You have? We think you got what it takes, eh? Hey, you want to see... You want to see a trick? So he's going to be an assassin. I've just decided. Right. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. then you're playing through his training of becoming right. an assassin. Or maybe your player turns and says, no, I reject right. that. And then someone else comes up. Hey, I saw what you, how you stood up to those guys. I got something even better. To there teach. you go. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You fail forward, baby. Fail forward. You know, so then you use the DMs like, I'm still going to oh, do sure. it. Oh, sure. Totally. <laughs> Right, whatever it is, or you can do it for next time, right. you know. So my my paladin recently, well, not recently, a long time ago, he lost his oath, mm-hmm. and I have yet to get a new one. Hmm. And the DM and I have spoken many times about what it could be, but I like leaving it open, yeah. right? Like, I don't really know what I want, and I could be happy in a lot of different mm-hmm. oaths. And so I'm just kind of waiting for a moment to come up where I can have... A story reason yeah, to pick one. That, and that's really cool because, you know, like we've been saying, it is a big enough deal where, yeah, you could just take one for the sake of that's something I just ought to have. But making that conscious decision to be like, this is something that bears waiting on and should come in when it is significant, when it makes sense. Like that's that's a really that's a really cool decision to make. By the way, the reason why I got this from video games, because, you know, it's not like video games came up with this per se, but it is something that games are good at doing and they're they're getting better at Mm -hmm. doing it because there are games like Dead Space where your whole UI was your character's armor. Freaking it would cool, show like man. their health meter. Such a yeah, good Yeah, that stuff is is really neat. You know, uh in Ghost of Tsushima, whenever you pick a new waypoint, instead of it just being a dot in the distance, uh the wind blows in that direction. Oh, that's and you follow the wind, so which is cool. super cool. You know, and there's still annoying UI things on the screen, and that's you, fine. Good UI is a freaking art form. For sure. It really is. And sometimes maybe you just can't get away from it. But I do appreciate it when a video game does figure out a way to make it make sense in a story story way. Oh, that's totally um, immersion. Shadow of Mordor. Yeah. You know, one thing that's super immersion breaking in any video game is death. Oh, yeah. Because you get to come back. Yep. And in Shadow of Mordor, it explains that you just reincarnate because... You're the grave walker and you have been banished from death and your character's kind of pissed off when he comes back and he's like, I'm going to get that. Yeah. Like the, especially when the, uh, when the orcs, if the orcs survive, you know, they, they remember and you know, half the time you've run into these guys and they're not just the same orc. They're that orc, but they've got scars, or they remember what you did. You know, there are those lingering consequences. Those are fun. Like, I'm pretty sure I cut you in half. My mates found me and sewed me back together. And also bugs, I don't know. Anyway, let's fight. Love those. The orcs are my favorite part. My only problem with that game is I don't get to be an orc. I was just going to say the same thing. That would be so much more fun because Talion is just a terrible character and so is Celebrimbor. 
But anyway, mechanically, everything they do makes sense. You know, you get like your sixth sense ability. That makes sense because you enter the yeah. spirit world. You get to follow tracks that way. You know, there's still some of the video gamey indicators, but it's getting yeah. better. Yeah. Right. In a lot of ways, it's getting better. And I and we've said this before with cyberpunk, but I mean, because implants exist, oh, all the UAI is now justified. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, people would actually have freaking heads up displays like all the yeah. time. Yeah, you, you really. And it could even justify cluttered periphery if you opted yep. into it. Yeah. Right. Like, hey, you made the decision to have it that way. That's yeah. really cool. You, you bought <laughs> you bought the budget implant. So the resolution's low and crappy. Maybe you should have shelled out. So a couple of things that you well, let me let me add one more thing you can't do. Grinding. Ugh. This is a thing that video games do to fill time. Don't do it. Like it's tricky in role playing games because the the random encounter is like a staple. But you can still make random encounters kind of special. But you don't want to give players a lot of busy work when it right. comes to um, like D&D or similar games. It's not really that fun to kill the same enemy over and over right. again. It's nice to see new things. Now, especially if you're making custom monsters like I seem to be obsessed with doing and custom NPCs and, and doing my own stat blocks and stuff, you can spend a lot of time on a character and then it sees one battle and that can be frustrating. But yeah, at the same time, at least reskin a character. So it seems a little bit different. Or just bring it back later. And also, like, you don't have the visual combat animations to yep. get behind when it comes to D&D. You're playing a strategy game. So grinding out bandits you find so that you can collect enough ears to Ugh. get, you know, the hidden sword sounds like a good idea. But in practice, it's going to be boring. You're not even going to want to do it when it comes down yeah. to it. So careful with any sort of grindy mechanic like i just need my players to be a certain level so they need to fight yeah, stuff if you need them to be somewhere put them there it's fine or make the journey interesting and thought out like okay on the way there they're going to learn some key things that are going to be useful in their actual yeah. task right and this is where we can get into some of the tells it's like oh thank you for saving my family i don't have any money to offer you but i can tell you yep. that the temple has this thing so you know, think about yeah. that. And, you know, so that's I think useful. This this also kind of plays into to a game running technique that I cottoned on to with running convention games because Nord went to a few conventions and I ran a couple of the games, not a ton of them, but a few. So I was researching like some best practices for running convention games. And, you know, for any for any folks who haven't been to a convention because I hadn't until I started doing this job. Generally, a convention game, it's a one-off. You're usually either having a character that you've rolled up or more likely there are pre-gens and you just grab one of them, you sit down and you're going to play for a couple hours, maybe, maybe more. But once you're done, that's it. Like you're not coming back for another session usually. So the GM is running... Yeah. One thing, start to finish, basically in one sitting. Maybe you have a break for food. So one of the principles that a lot of these kind of seasoned vets say to do is throw them in in the middle. You put them directly right, into yeah. the action. 
they'll fill in the they can fill in the blanks later they can whatever mundane stuff like what tavern did they usually drink at or how'd they meet up or whatever that stuff that is irrelevant to the exciting experience you want right now and if you take your players and throw them right in the mix and go you're smack in the middle of a fight or something crazy's going on it's immediately engaging and fun and the small details either wind up not being important at all or if they do turn out to be important like we really do need to figure out what tavern we all drank at you'll go hunt that down later and it'll it'll work its way in but basically that's to say if you know look at the interactions that that your players are having in game and if it's a lot of sort of mundane inconsequential things that aren't even going so far as to like build the characters or you know help you get to know the world or anything if it's just kind of pointless time wasting skip yeah, it then it's gonna feel pointless time wasting time jump it and go okay you guys did this you travel if you don't want to do anything interesting with the travel then go boom you're at the temple. Here's what's going on. Yeah, and I've definitely done that a lot for homebrew campaigns where I actually built out tables for mm. encounters and then was like, yeah, no. <laughs> I just skip. Yeah, no one to cut. And I guess that's part of the classic experience. So just forewarning, SKT is filled with random encounters and they are meant to be there, but I plan on rolling the encounters beforehand and then altering them a bit okay. so that they have consequences that Neat. make sense. So I think that's the way I'm going to handle that. But again, video games can totally get away yep. with this because you expect to do repeated things. It's fun to do repeated yeah. things because you get to experiment. You get to master a skill. Well, but you're not really mastering a skill in D&D as much as you're improving strategy. <laughs> So the the repetition isn't like quite well, as rewarding. You also have the visual component. Like a lot of video games now yeah. are spectacular to look at. They're you know like the the scene in Cyberpunk. You're getting chased by a truck. You're sitting on the windowsill. You're firing this gun. There's flashing. There's you know the sound. Yeah, it's like yeah, a film, you're watching basically. like a dang movie. And if that was happening happening in an RPG like a tabletop RPG, you wouldn't have all that stuff. You know, they're, you're ta no. so take advantage of the medium. You know, it's, it's like uh, last time when we were talking about horror, taking advantage of the things that the system lacks, don't have all these visual elements and stuff. So you use that to your advantage. Also recognize, you know, what you don't have. And just because you had this cool experience in a video game does not necessarily mean that that sort of experience will translate to a pen and paper RPG and get you the same kind of feeling or reaction. Yeah, so it can be really fun to borrow a lot from video games. Yeah. And there are a lot of important things that we can borrow. But there's also a few yep. traps, right? 
And so just ask yourself the question, how would this really go? Just play it out in your head. Like really try to imagine it from the player's perspective because you might realize, hmm, it's not the same medium. It's not going to work here. Or you know what? That's a good idea. This is a way that we could improve the role-playing game experience. And you know what? One-shots, by the way, are a great place to try out certain mechanics and ideas. So... And if a mechanic doesn't work out, you can always take it away. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> also very true. So I know that you know that I have fallen into this trap a few For times. Sure. Trying to be too video game. Well, and I tell you straight up, I'm like, out. I know what you're trying yeah, to do. Yeah, you do. It's a really cool idea, but it just it gets lost in translation. Yeah. and it's Or it needs to be implemented differently. Mm-hmm. Or, or, yeah, it's just not going to work here. Well, and I think something to consider, too, when you're looking at something that you've seen or experienced in a video game and you realize, ooh, I want to put that in my tabletop game, take a second and ask yourself what part of that experience or thing that you're trying to translate over. Ask yourself what thing you liked most about it. See if that thing will translate or if there's a good way to to pull off that particular aspect of the thing you're trying to move over because that might save you a lot of work or you might realize oh this this thing if i try to do it just like the video game did it wouldn't really work but if i approach this idea a little differently it could work but from a different angle. By the way, one one decent example of that might be like Monster Hunter. Sure. Where you're supposed to grind the similar monsters to get gear that's based on them. But in D&D, it doesn't make sense that an entire monster can't make a suit right. of armor. So saying, okay, go kill three Tyrannosaurus Rexes is like mm-hmm. stupid, right? <laughs> like it'll take forever. It's dumb. It takes you out of right. the experience. You know, unless you're killing all three at once, then that could be an interesting yeah. challenge. But, you know, just killing, like grinding them for their own sakes, not, right. not the best thing. So maybe maybe you bag one and then you can make it. But maybe then the blacksmith says, well, I also need this tool. Right. And or I don't know. There's ways could, to play with it. You could Either treat way, it as um, you could have taking down the T-Rex is the first half of the experience but then uh harvesting the materials is is its own challenge and it's something that you actively have to do which could be really interesting too yeah or unexpected monster pops up and now this is your real challenge there's possibilities there anyway just kind of want to wrap that up there's a lot more that i could say about this in terms of you know, what could be borrowed or, or avoided. But I think maybe we just had some some basic rules there that. Yeah, you know, just so. look at look at the experiences that you've. Yeah, I think we've said it. Yeah, yeah, we have. We have. <laughs> okay. Let's wrap it All up. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for hanging out. It's been a good time. Look us up on social media. We've got a uh, Twitter profile and we're also on Facebook. And you can also find us over on Buzzsprout and hopefully all your favorite podcast platforms. But uh, yeah, thanks for hanging out. Look for Cyberpunk when it comes out and try looking at video games and seeing what things might translate over and create some cool experiences for your players. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, until next time, stay inspired. 
Bye.